It's the semi-final of the IHF Women's World Championship spread across Sweden, Norway and Denmark. And all three of those nations have a spot in the semi-final along with a familiar face in France. We've had some great quarterfinals that proved to be more exciting than we thought in some stages and probably a little bit less exciting in, in some areas. Alex Kulesh here joined by Chris O'Reilly. Hello, Alex. Hello, Brian. And Brian Campion. Hello there. And we got the three of us in for a podcast. Uh, so hopefully we, we have enough brain power to decide who is going to win this world championship. I don't want to start off on a really, really bum note, but have has it been good so far? I mean, has have the quarterfinals been good? Because I thought they were actually terrible. Uh, all right, all right, Alex Kulesh over here. What's the? It's <laughs> a real Alex uh, move. <laughs> I figured the two. No, one that I thought would be the the headline one, Netherlands Norway, wasn't. Uh, but we talked a fair bit about that. It was entertaining in its own way. Um, yeah, it was decent first half. The, the one half. I, I I didn't expect to be the most entertaining, but more like an absolute slog turned out to be the best one Denmark and Montenegro mm. and Sweden uh, Germany was just like this wonderfully interesting like psychological experiment that was happening before our eyes like car crash television you, BDSM you can't uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't one of those situations where like it was actually like if you watched a car crash I haven't I have never watched a car crash uh, but I'm <laughs> I'm told uh, it's terrible, but you can't look away. That's what the old adage is, and uh, I guess we saw the handball version of that last night. Yeah, I think everything I said about Germany going into the game was completely turned on its head. <laughs> and I was watching it going, why did you do this to me? It's always hungry in Germany to do this to me. You build them up, you get, you get all hopeful about them, and then they, they turn into that. I mean, that opening, they, they lost by seven goals. Yeah, they- and the 7-0 run at the beginning of the match was basically the difference of the whole yeah. thing. I mean, that just completely took the steam out of everything. And, I mean, it took from the 14 minutes to score the first goal. You can't be doing that. <laughs> you can't be doing that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, was, uh, I was in a bar yesterday and uh, a, a colleague of mine was telling a story of when they, um, in Canada, ran over a wolf. Okay. Which was quite entertaining. But they, they hit this wolf. Uh, he was in a quite a big, let's say, American-style pickup truck. Ran over the wolf in the dark, um, just outside a, a national park. And stopped and looked back. They were about 100 yards away, as the story is told. And you could just hear the whimpering of the wolf behind them. And while they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I think after that seven nil run at the start that that was Sweden running over yeah. the wolf of Germany <laughs> and then it was all of us trying to decide what we're going to do for the rest of the game geez I hope he's going to be okay for January ah. oh sorry Magic. oh oh well, sorry cut we, that out we've done it lads <laughs> this is the strangest oh. opening to a podcast we've ever put together very fitting on the <laughs> eve of the semi-finals uh yeah what a 
what a strange game. And we speak to analogist later in the podcast, the Sweden line player, and spoke a little bit about that uh, to her. And so we'll hear what she had to say uh, shortly. But I think one of the big takeaways from that for me is that you see teams kind of open with like a five or six goal run or something at the beginning. It, it can happen. Teams can really dominate. Uh, but sometimes they don't really like uh, take full advantage of their domination. Like the opposition doesn't score for 10 minutes or so, but then they get a couple in and all of a sudden it's 5-3 and you're like, all right, yeah, not so bad after all. And then you can get a game of it. But that didn't happen here at all. I mean, Germany started scoring a couple of goals, but, you know, once they did, Sweden ended up with a 10-goal lead at halftime. So they just like stepped it up again. And uh, it must have just been devastating, like, being on the court there, knowing that everything you do is not working, that Johanna Bunsen in goal must look, you know, seven foot tall, just like this giant saving everything. And uh, Germany really got in their own heads. These two teams seem to be in a very similar position coming into it, kind of in their development. Uh, Sweden took the next step in that game. Germany went back to... Actually, that's probably the worst defeat they've ever had. So they've probably taken a step back now. So what do you think allowed Sweden to make that next step, uh, as you put it? What um, got them over over the hump and made them decide that, yeah, yeah, we're actually a top team and we want to win this thing? What allowed them to do that? I think the the defence and goalkeeping is, has taken a big step up there. Like We knew that that centre-block duo of uh, Lagerqvist and Lindblom were fantastic, but... I did not expect the goalkeeping to be this good, particularly from uh, Johanna Bunsen, who has been with the team for years, right? And she's in her early early 30s now. Um, She's back in Sevahof. There was nothing really suggesting that, like, this is a goalkeeper who's now ready to take the next step. But actually, that's exactly what Yamina Roberts did a few years ago. And we see what happened to her. So maybe this is what you do. You have a kid, you go to save a half, and then you become one of the best in the world. <laughs> it's just the, the opposite of like talent development. It's like regeneration. Um, so yeah, I think the goalkeeping has been like a big part of that. Because once you have somebody who can get you over 40% saves every single game, uh, you're always going to have a chance. And they just trust every single player in the attack. Like everyone uh, has their job. They've they have this specialist right back as a right-hander in Emma Lindqvist, which nobody uh, does, right? Uh, people use right-handers and right-back, but not in this really specialist way. Uh, line players, we know how good they are. The wingers are banging in goals, and uh, they're just so good in the transition. Like, they're not always going to get you in the first wave counter-attack, but uh, they'll move the ball a couple more times, and that duo of Jenny Carlson and Yamina Roberts is just top-notch they as a pair have taken a step up and so yeah the whole team is just taking a step up and therefore they're in with a chance chris loves I think, sweden absolutely oh. loves <laughs> sweden yeah i can even I tell in your there. commentary that you love sweden <laughs> <laughs> i was like you're slightly biased here i was like you know he lives there just that little bit of extra shine on some of the things you're saying how can you not love this team no let me ask you this thing right because i remember i asked you this in the, in the preview podcast you weren't too hot on, on sweden coming into it how, how much has your opinion changed on that now, having seen what you've seen already? The quarterfinal was like the, the big one, right? They'd won every other game quite comfortably. They beat some decent teams, but not amazing teams on the way. Um, 
And we were quite up on Germany coming into this game. And the fact that they absolutely demolished them, that that's just a turning point. And so I think France will not be looking forward to it. They're, France are still favourites comfortably, um, but they, they know they're in for it. They could be in for a shock. I think especially Jenny Carlsen has been a, a game changer. I think you, Chris, said uh, in our preview podcast that they, they don't have the playmaker. They, they don't have anyone besides Amina Roberts. And uh, it's pretty clear that they do now. 22 goals for Jenny Carlsen, but also 27 assists in the tournament. And uh, I think on the assist side, it, it's where she's really stepped up six against uh, Germany in that game. Uh, she's banging out the Quinn doubles, I'll tell you. Like every, <laughs> almost every single game, you know, a solid five and five or a six and five or a five and six goals and assists. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah, we thought that, or I thought, I think you agreed that that position was, was a little bit lacking, but um, yeah, she has taken a step up big time. What do you make of Tyra Axner's uh, performances so far? I mean, she had her, one of her, her classic belters in the in the second half of that game. Yeah, how how do you actually been so far? Because we were talking about her coming into it, and and we she had yeah. burst onto the scene. And what what have you made of her? Not really. I think she's still being held back a little bit. Um, she gets on the last few minutes of of each half, but it's because Roberts is just yeah. <laughs> is has got that position wrapped up. And Axner, I think, is definitely one for the future. Um, I think it's quite easy to manage a player like that when uh, the coaches. Her father, like you know, it's not like she has, well, it can be has easy to convince or or hard. Be, you know, but she seems like so. she it's seems like a quite yeah, seems like a quite easy going. <laughs> Give me more minutes. I mean, it's hard to argue when you meet a Roberts. That's your position. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think she's got a bit of developing to do. I mean, she can still pop up and score an absolute scorcher, like she did at the end yeah, of the first half against Germany. That's her role at the moment, yeah. coming on and uh, getting a couple of long range shots. But yeah, I think the. The team is pretty, pretty comfortable now. They even have Karen Stromberg back in uh, after De Jong injured herself. Which, uh, if things really go, you know, to pot at some point in the semi-final uh, or on Sunday, she can come in and kind of steady the ship because uh, she's just so experienced and uh, she's also able to bang a few goals in. Mm. So, yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of the time we underestimate in sports is that. Players can just get better <laughs> as they get older. You know, yeah. you just assume really? that it's like you get to twenty-four years old, and then that—that's the player. That's done. Yeah. They—they—they've reached her peak, and that's probably one of our mistakes. I, I said it before going into the tournament that you know there's a clear ceiling for this uh, core group for Sweden, and uh, that ceiling has been absolutely smashed again. Mina Roberts. 31 goals, 70% efficiency, 26 assists, just continues to impress. But the question is, now they're coming up against the teams in women handball. Mm -hmm. You know, the, these three teams in the semi-final, Denmark, Norway and France, have been a step ahead everyone else um, for the last number of years. And the question is, do they... You know, will this Sweden team compare? Um, difficult to answer, but as down yeah, as down as I was on the the group phase and every on the group matches and the main rounds so far, I cannot see these two matches being bad. Well, I hopefully hopefully they won't because this is just <laughs> this is this is these are the four best teams, and I'm yeah. very very intrigued to see 
how good Sweden are going to fare against France. Uh, that's uh, that's probably the one I'm looking forward to actually most. I think out of the two matches, I should actually know. I, they're like my two. My favorite child. Come on, my favorite child. You're so biased to two E with with Denmark. You just fucking love Denmark, like you know. <laughs> but, but I think I think yeah. Let, maybe we'll go on to Denmark now, who uh, beat Montenegro twenty six twenty four, which is probably closer than all of us expected. And I think in this competition, Denmark haven't. I think they've simultaneously convinced and not convinced. Um, they haven't convinced in the same way that, for example, France and Norway have, where they've just whipped teams uh, aside when necessary. Uh, I think, but they have convinced in a sense that when things get really tough in a game, you just, it does look like they're going to win. Japan aside, which was a a, a, mir- a miracle in itself. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, they've been yeah. in tough games from day one, like literally from that game against Serbia where they were down by four goals in the second half. They've battled in this championship and the quarterfinal wasn't too different um no brian do you think you know what what did you see from that game where did were you impressed by denmark or or was it you know should have should they have done a little bit more to put aside montenegro i mean i expected denmark to win so i wasn't really i'm impressed with denmark i mean at some says some as was but i was really really impressed with montenegro i know you're not asking me that but um, yeah. I think Montenegro had no right to be as close as they were to Denmark with that squad of players that they have and I'm not trying to, that's not disparaging towards the players that they have but we talked about it in the run-in to the tournament how they were so top-heavy with the old team that they have and then I felt like they were maybe relying on three players but you have to say the job that Popovich has done and you can see that they're a really, really well-coached team especially in attack some of the breakthroughs they had against Denmark were just so well-worked um, a lot of that was Gribic in, in centre-back she was really pulling the strings really well um, and creating some of those breakthroughs. So I think I was just really impressed with how Montenegro were able to keep up at all. And I'd be lying if I said I was, I was kind of rooting for them a bit. Um, but yeah, at I mean, end of the game. Yeah, oh my gosh. I mean the two minutes that that two minutes thing from the the, the delegate at the end kind of did ruin it a bit for me. And I think Chris, I agree with you what you said in the commentary as well. At that stage of the game, I don't care what they're saying to you on the bench. You just let the players on the court decide the game because. I mean, we don't know what she said, but it might have been pretty bad, but <laughs> I don't think, I don't think so. Well, 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 can can you des- describe the situation there to, you know, yeah, the picture so, here? Uh, Montenegro had a counter-attack to uh, bring the game back within two, with two and a half minutes left to go. They scored on the counter-attack. Uh, I think it was, was it uh, Pavicevic who was on the counter-attack? She got a push on the way uh, from behind. Pretty clear... I think, yeah, two minutes suspension there for, for Denmark. Uh, she scores, the, they get the goal anyway. And Gerbic on her way back to the bench was, I guess, shouting uh, about it, trying to get the two minutes suspension. And uh, the delegate decided with two and a half minutes left that uh, no longer is talking allowed, no longer is shouting allowed. I mean, we have all played handball for years. You know it happens all the time. You just deal with it, right? And... Very few times I got so much reaction from people. You know, sometimes I think nobody's listening to the commentary, but <laughs> after that game, I got a fair few messages from people saying, I fully agree with you. I can't believe that that the delegate decided to to bring the referee's attention with two and a half minutes left and get Gerbich off. Let the players decide in that case. 
I spoke to Hella Thompson, who was doing a commentary for Danish radio. She said the exact same, and she's Danish. Like, she was raging about it, right? Mm. Uh, so I think that says a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, Popovich also in the second half got a two-minute suspension uh, for, for talking. Uh, and, yeah, I think they just didn't deal with this very well. I mean, I've had my... Uh, I've had my problems with the directives given to referees, particularly about like uh, about travel violations. You know, dealing with the the gog five step, but in women's handball first. I don't know if that's the right way to do, to <laughs> approach it. But yeah, that felt like a felt like a dodgy dodgy thing, and it just kind of killed the the comeback off in the end. So could have been a really dramatic ending if not for that. Uh, but I think Denmark. It felt like they were always going to win. Um, Everyone I spoke to in the arena beforehand were like, yeah, I'm not impressed with Denmark, but uh, Montenegro have no chance here. And I was like, oh, I've seen a fair bit of Montenegro. They're, they're going to make this a tough game. <laughs> like, you know, we also were a little bit like dismissive of them uh, at the beginning of the championship. But uh, I've changed our tune, I think. And uh, they, you could see Popovich after the game as well, like saying to every single player, like high-fiving them two hands, saying bravo to every single player kind of, you know, uh, fighting through the, the pain. So I think they have a lot to be proud of. And uh, you know, they still have a couple more games. They'll be one of the teams that are definitely motivated for the fifth to eighth placement matches. Germany, ah, not so much. <laughs> we'll find out when they play against Czech Republic at 11.30 uh, on Friday in the morning. Yeah, and, and you do wonder for Montenegro if uh, the loss of Marta Batinovic, who was having the tournament of her life with a save rate above 50% could have been the difference um, in such a tight game. For Denmark's side, the, the goalkeepers have been incredible. And this time it was Sandra Toft stepped up 16 saves, 41%. Really, that's at the end of the day. And the Danish players talk about, talk about it constantly that their core is their defense and their goalkeepers. And I just don't, I do think they probably do have the the strongest base uh, out of any of the semifinalists to uh, win any game or at least have a chance to do it. Yeah. It's really interesting. Right? Three of the four teams have like that same approach in their in their game. They've got the solid goalkeepers and the brilliant defense. I'm talking France, Sweden, and and Denmark here. Um, probably Norway, the team that would... They still have those amazing... I mean, they have, it's ridiculous. But they also have the best attack on top of that. And it's maybe like, attack first, and then if we need to, okay, we'll put Linda on and she'll save five shots, whatever. Like, just yeah. to finish it off. But um, in all four quarterfinals, goalkeeper basically won the game. Glauser with 12 saves from 18 for France. Uh, Solberg for Norway, uh, Bunsen for Sweden, and Toft for Denmark. I'm not sure if they all got the player of the match, but uh, I think at least three of them did. So it says a lot heading into uh, the, the semifinals. All right, so that leads us nicely into our previews uh, for the semifinals. Before we have that, though, we will hear the chat I had, had earlier on Thursday with Anna Lagerqvist. Hilariously, boys, the uh, local organising committee here in Herning have decided that no media are allowed in the team hotels. So, in zero degree weather, <laughs> all of the media calls are happening outside, which makes for some great, like, in-depth, uh, heart-to-heart chats. 
So this one, a little bit shorter than the usual, <laughs> but still some great uh, chat from Analogifist as she looks back on that ridiculously good start to the game against Germany and to uh, a real battle on the line against France on Friday. Been having to do it in zero degrees outside, it's not exactly yeah. the, uh, the perfect way to prepare for a semi-final. But uh, let's start with yesterday's amazing game, Anna, because... Uh, it feels like that opening 15 minutes was almost like a, a strange dream or nightmare if you're German, yeah. but uh, but on court, like how are you experiencing that opening quarter? No, I think we really just uh, were very good prepared and we really uh, had the right level of uh, like excitement and uh, focus right from the beginning. And I think also because we had two friendly games against Germany before the championship started. I think we had uh, tried different uh, ways to play against them with uh, both good and bad <laughs> result. Yeah. So I felt like we were very prepared and we just went in for this game like there's only victory for us. It's, it's quite interesting because a lot of people when they talk in the build-up to championships about like the friendly matches, the test matches, they say, OK, it doesn't actually mean so much, of course, the final results. But it seems like you took a, a lot away from it then, those two games and in your preparation for facing the, the Germans yesterday. Yes, but I think also like sometimes also depending on who you play with uh, against in the friendly games, you never know if you will meet them in the championship. But of course, we knew that uh, Germany is a really good team. Uh, so it was two really good uh, friendly games for us also like uh, they really um, had a good uh, they made two really good games and uh, it for us it, they were very helpful because uh, it was clear for us after those two games a bit like what we needed to work on what uh, was good and what we could uh, or had to improve uh, before the championship started what's going through your mind then in those opening 15 minutes uh, because like, as, as a team because it seemed like everything you were doing as a team was working perfectly and the Germans yeah. they just got into their own heads I guess as, as a defensive unit you're feeling that as well you can see it in their eyes maybe yeah of course I just I think you just feel like um, you know it's like when the whole team is in the same flow and everything is working and uh also with the defense and our goalkeeper Hanna Bunsen was amazing got an amazing start so I think it just like you can just notice during the game that the confidence builds up and it just feels like uh, it doesn't matter what they uh, will try to change and what they will do because we will solve it yeah and often in these situations a team has an amazing start you build up a bit of a lead but you know the goals are going to come on their side eventually and often you see teams don't exactly take full advantage of it you know it could go they could go 5-0 up but after a couple of goals, it's a tight game again. That wasn't the case here. You, you, you knew the Germans were going to eventually find some rhythm, but you stepped up a couple of gears as a team as well in that first half. Yeah, and I feel like we uh, were very calm the whole uh, the whole game. And we knew also, like Germany, like I said before, it's a really good team. So, of course, they will ch try to change the way they play and try to find solutions during the game. Uh, but I felt like we just kept going the first half. And then uh, when we started the second half, we said uh, in the halftime, like, OK, now it's 0-0 zero, zero again. Um, we, we really need to make exactly the same work as in the first half as in the second to in order to win this game there was uh, maybe a couple of hairy moments towards the end uh, Germans got within four again it's still a little bit comfortable but not completely but it seems to have happened a few times to Sweden in this championship teams have come back within three or four but again you always find that last gear in the last few minutes. It's, yeah. uh, it's quite impressive. Yeah, I think like uh, it's more like after the games, maybe when media ask a bit yeah, like, oh, was it a bit it. like nerve-wracking? <laughs> or did you felt worried when they 
caught up a bit or uh, and I feel like we have not had that feeling at all uh, within the team I feel like we have had a a big confidence in uh, our game plans and yeah. how uh, we know what our our strength uh, so I felt like even if um, teams uh, catch up with a few goals I feel like we've just been calm then we have stay focused and we we know what we need to do in order to win so I feel like that sense of security or confidence in the team is uh, has been uh, very good uh, a good lesson for all of us in the media to yeah. not look into because I, I, I feel the same and when, when in games like that you don't even think about it so much it's yeah. just the next attack the next defense whatever it takes and yeah that's uh, it's a nice way to look at it yeah but I think also like you, like you say in the game you just focus a bit about the, what can you do like the next the situation you cannot affect so much what's happened and I think we just need to focus on the next step yeah and uh, this team has been knocking on the door for quite a few years now. Uh, you've had a couple of semi-finals in, in the Olympics, the World Championship, 2017, just missing out on the medals a couple of times. Sweden have always been there or thereabouts, but uh, does it feel a little bit different with this team now? Of course, the medal isn't in the bag yet, but you're in the, in a great spot and uh, the team seems to be really like firing on all cylinders. Yes, but I feel like we have the last couple of years, we have been really doing hard work and uh, for every championship, I feel like we have taking steps forward and improving uh, and we have worked on uh, many different aspects so I feel like but and like you say we have been very close but not really there and I feel like um, now we have worked so hard and uh, I think everybody really now feel like it's uh, it could be our time uh, but of course it's still gonna be so tough and we have to do a lot of hard work uh, but it's no it's of course we, we we want to take this opportunity for sure is there something in particular that feels a little different about this championship for you? No, but I feel also like with this championship, of course now we have had seven victories in a row, but it's also a bit against different kind of teams. Uh, and of course it's maybe not have been so many really tough games, but again we have also then had opportunity to play with a lot of players and to... Um, so I feel like and many are in good shape and I feel like we have found a good flow and uh, I think we have a good uh, confidence in the team. So for sure, I feel like when we play uh, our, at our highest level, then I think uh, we, yes, then I think everything can happen. Uh, you said uh, playing with all the players and that's something the French have done very well mm. as well. I, I saw in the quarterfinal they used every single court player mm. scored a goal. Uh, nobody played more than 37 minutes. Everyone like, had, a, had a real impact on the game. In terms of using the whole bench and, and saving a bit of strength throughout the championship, does that really matter at this stage? You think when it comes to you know 60 minutes in a semi-final? I think for sure it's and that I think all teams uh, work try to find this balance, uh, especially like in the beginning of the championship, uh, to not um, use maybe the most. Uh, the first, the start, yeah. uh, the start team to use maybe make them too tired too fast because now in then when it's the most toughest game you're gonna need all the strength and uh, that you got and energy so of course it's a, a balance and I think also like you never know what's happening during the championship it can be injuries it can be things that happen so I think uh, if you can have as many players in good shape and uh, have confidence then I think uh, I think that's a winning strategy. What's uh, one of the fascinating things about this semi-final? is the, the line player battle uh, with particularly yourself and Lin against Foppa uh, and uh, Bukti. Uh, you all know each other I think pretty well as well with uh, battles in the, in the French League against each other and, and internationally yeah. of course but uh, that is going to be one hell of a battle. 
Yes, for sure. But I think also now we have played against France many times and I think it's always very tough games. And I think it's uh, two teams that know all play each other very well. Um, and I think both we know each other's strength. So uh, I think it's going to be a very tough but also very fun game. How do you approach these particular games when you know it's going to be particularly like physically brutal? Yes, but I think it's uh, two teams with a very strong defense and who prioritize defense a lot and likes to run also. So, um, no, of course that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> but I think also we we have found a way to play that we feel confident in and we are going to just uh, keep going with that and, of course, uh, try to find some tactical advantages. Nice. Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. Enjoy the rest of the media call in the cold. Yeah. Hopefully it's not too thank bad. Thank you. Yeah. No. So, as always, this is a time in the tournament where, you know, we want to preview every possible variation of a final. So <laughs> we've got the semi-finals, uh, Norway against Denmark and Sweden versus France. Um, we'll dive into those semi-finals, but then we'll also try to predict what would happen in the finals um, between the different variations. But I think starting with the semi-finals and the game that many people expected to be the final, and I think it was yeah. really set up to be the final, uh, Denmark versus Norway but of course Norway lo lost that game against France uh, in the main round which dropped them into the same bracket as Denmark and the two teams have battled out which you predicted but you also predicted the Netherlands I, to beat Norway that which that didn't happen I think <laughs> to get that maybe the Netherlands beating <laughs> Norway was, was a bit of a hope uh, I, you know it's kind of if Norway were going to go out that's how they're going to go out which means that by that logic, Norway are going to continue on through the semi-final into the final and win it. Um, Norway and Denmark have had quite a lot of big games over the last while, um, but it seems to be Norway that that keep to keep getting that win. It really annoys me how confident we all are in Norway getting to the final. More, most of all, how confident the Norwegians are. I had a nice chat there with the uh, the TV gang and particularly Ola Erevik, who knows his stuff, right? Uh, but he's like, there's no scenario in his mind where Norway are not winning gold, and it's just like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm telling the Danes the same. So they'll have a they'll have a nice day in the bronze medal game. Uh, that was their chance. Uh, but <laughs> is there any way, like? Surely there is. I mean, Sandra, there is a way, right? There is a way. Den we were talking about absolutely. Denmark's ability to win to win these games. Uh, uh, Norway, we've seen them lose, and uh, although I thought it was a little bit of an exhibition game, the the vibes I'm getting from Norway is that they desperately wanted to win that game against France, and they they lost it in the last two minutes. Um, yeah, they're not perfect. They're not perfect, and I think this is going to be this is going to be a one goal game. And I'm so confident saying that, that anyone who's listening, if it's not a one-goal game, I'll buy you a beer if you ever meet me. Uh, oh, wow. They, they surely will remember that, will they? <laughs> How are we going to have to release that? <laughs> don't clip that up. So everyone hears yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, don't, please don't do that. I don't have that much money. But um, I do think it's going to be a very, very close game. And I'm in two minds about what you said earlier, Alex, but you, about Denmark. You were saying that they've looked in, I mean, they've looked in control when it, when it came into crunch time, apart from Japan. But I, you kind of could look at that going, should the game against Montenegro even been close in the first place? 
and they're kind of they're wobbling there a lot and I'm in two minds about it yes they're battle hardened a lot more than I'd say Norway are. I think Norway had basically one game on the on the route to the semi-finals against France which they lost and uh, and had a fairly easy run up until now whereas Denmark have been emotionally tested a lot more so when it comes down to a crunch time I literally I don't know I, it's very very hard to call but I think it's going to be one goal either way but if, if you had to, if I had to I'm, I'm sorry Chris but if, I, if you're pushing me now it's, I think it is going to be Norway so so for to give a little bit of an overview uh, I've looked into kind of the, the team stats uh, for the tournament um, while the stats are maybe a little bit difficult to completely follow uh, since there's so many games that are irrelevant and can skew those but I think it actually paints a good picture of the matchup that we have between Denmark and Norway and the styles essentially so from an overall point of view they're very close uh, both teams have uh, overall shooting percentage of 68% for Denmark and 69% for Norway so you know that that is really uh, a top performance uh, the two highest in the competition actually um then goalkeepers again both uh, right at the top 37% for Denmark and 41% for Norway so nothing in between them but the, when you dig into the the types of shots that's when the difference in styles really shows up so for Denmark on their 9 meter shooting they're only shooting 43% um, from 65 shots which is a criticism we've had for Denmark for quite a while that they just not only did they not take 9 meter shots they're also not very good at them but in terms of six meter shots, breakthroughs essentially, or, or line shots, um, they're incredible. Um, they have a 78% success rate there and they're getting those shots at a pretty high frequency with 60 uh, shots taken, 47 scored. So that's that's their style. They, they break through and they play one-on-one. And I think especially players like uh, Mia Hoyland has shown that it, it's this one-on-one style that breaks defenses uh, and they can get through and get a very efficient shot. Norway, on the other hand, nine-meter shooting is off the charts. It's actually astounding. As a team, they're shooting 59% from nine-meter shots. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, that that is un- unheralded. Um, and they're taking tons of them, 97 shots taken. And I have scored 60 of them. So, yeah, we see that the, the top shooters for, for Norway showing up time and time again. But on the other hand, breaking through, they're doing it less often, just 50 shots from six meters and 64% conversion rate on those. So they're not getting as easy shots, um, but they're just doing so well from nine meters. So if you boil it down, who do you trust more? Norway to take all the jump shots and beat Sandra Toff and the Danish defence in goal or De- Denmark to break through the Norwegian defence time and time again who do you put your money on? When you put it that way I actually think it's more likely that Denmark will break through no- the Norwegian defence which we've talked about as not a weakness but not their core strength eh. versus uh, the shooters of Norway getting past the two best goalkeepers in the world argu- arguably Uh I I think, you know, looking at that, 
Denmark really uh, stand more of a chance than, you know, the, the classic Norway are going to win yeah. no matter what. Brian says Norway to win by one goal. What are you saying, Alex? Denmark to win by one goal. I'm taking, I feel like with this Danish women's team, I've gotten to a point where it's almost like Magdeburg for the men that I have to keep backing them now until they finally <laughs> do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think Toft with a solid 42% save rate, Emma Fries top scoring with eight goals and uh, Denmark to win by two. And I think, uh, again, looking back at the... this, I think this is going to happen. It's going to be a one-goal game and the ball is going to be in Re- Henny Reistad's hands so to decide it. And this is what happened in the game against France. And Henny Reistad messed up. And Nora Merck also gave an interview and said, you know, 100 times out of 100 times, I will trust, still trust Henny Reistad to be in that position and 98 of those times she's going to make a good decision but uh, I think that there's so much uh, like history between these two teams that I think it's actually on Denmark's side now um, that's including the four Golden League games they've played in the last two years they, they've all been within one goal and Denmark got the last victory on that just over a year ago, you and me, <laughs> Alex, doing a live watch along of this final between Norway and Denmark. And, you know, the, Norway just got the job done. So, <laughs> with once bitten, twice shy. Not for us. Not for us. Brian has learned his lesson. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. How does, the, uh, how does the stats line up for Sweden and France? Probably a level below. Denmark and uh, Norway overall 64% shooting overall for France uh, 66 for Sweden still very good uh, th- these are top teams the big difference between those two are actually the goalkeepers um, Sweden have a 41% uh, save rate so far in the competition while France are down at 34% and again at, at this stage of the competition we know how important goalkeepers are Stylistically, very similar, uh, very similar amount of shots taken from nine meters, uh, both 78, 76, uh, with shooting percentages of like 46 and 49. France just getting the slightly better hand there. So, you know, not nothing to divide them there. And again, similar amount of shots taken from six meters, but France are very, very good at converting from six meters, 82% overall. Sweden at 72%. So the, the big kind of difference that, that I see is uh, it is the goalkeepers. And, you know, you just talked about for 10 minutes about how good Sweden goalkeepers were, Chris. So uh, <laughs> that's, that, is, that is true. But Bunsen is the main one there, right? Evelina Eriksson will likely be the number two. Um, and she has had some good performances when she's been given a chance. But she also had that game against Montenegro where... She got a hand to every ball, but it still went in. And seeing that makes me feel a little bit nervy if if Bunsen isn't quite on form. Whereas with France, um, you know, I think they've got two very solid goalkeepers there uh, in Sacco and uh, in Glauser. So maybe in that sense, they have a little bit of a, an advantage. But for me, 
I think, and I spoke to Analogvist about that as we heard earlier, the line player battle here is massive. Perhaps the the meeting of the two best pair of line players in the game in Blom and Logikovist on one side and uh, young the younger generation of, uh, of Foppa and Bukti on the other side. Uh, that is going to be like massive and uh, Logikovist knows that it's going to hurt but he's going to enjoy it. She knows them well. They all know each other well. Uh, there's going to be a lot of kind of grit and determination there to decide uh, who comes out on top. And I, in the big games, I do trust a little bit more the Swedish pair than, than the French pair. In the big games? But this is Sweden's only second, second semi-final at the World Championship. Mostly because of what Foppa did at the Champions League final four a few years ago. <laughs> After that, I kind of lost a little bit. Of, I mean, she was only, what, 12 at the time? Yeah. But, <laughs> nah, maybe that is a little bit harsh. But I think, you know, both of them have been in the team for for a number of years now. Logrifus since 2016 um, and uh, Blom since 2014 when they last won a medal. So, you know, they they have years and years of experience here. Um, that might come in handy when it comes to defeating the French in the dark arts. For me, also for France, one player that's really impressed me is Orlan Canor. Um, she's a player that is so exciting to watch, so explosive, so dynamic, and a lot of the time kind of gets buried in in the France squad. She she shows up for a couple of minutes, does something incredible, but that's that's all you see of her. For past championships, that's been the way. In this championship, she is their top scorer, twenty six goals, uh, shooting sixty seven percent, which is uh, very good, and that. She has become that extra player for France that I think they've maybe been slightly lacking. It's been a little bit too um, spread out. And I think additionally, Enzaminko has been in really, really top form. And we just know what she can do. She, she is the player that won that game against Norway for France. And when she's on that sort of form, it's it's really just unstoppable um, and incisive, and she gets you know she gets that steal at the right time. She'll get that fast break goal at the right time, and she'll she can do everything, and she always does it at the right time. And when she's in form, I think that's the difference between two teams that are really really close. Yeah, the, I mean, if Chris is talking about like the battle on the line as well, I think the battle in the backcourt between Inzaminko and Jamina Roberts is also quite intriguing. Who's going to have their grip on on the on dictating play there? So that's that's a that's a fascinating head to head as well. And what you were saying there, Alex, you, you could you could maybe apply the same characteristics and traits to Roberts as well. Um, where but, but, but Inzaminko's been doing level. it for uh, yeah, Inzaminko's been doing the, it for a longer time at the highest level. Yeah. That's for sure. So that's going to be an interesting. One to see if uh, if Roberts can again take the next step there. Yeah, them. and I think that's the the question here. That that's uh, for Roberts. She's shined in tournaments before. Right, this is not her first tournament where she's right at the top of the game. Uh, but for Sweden and for for her, there's always just been that limit. And I think the question here is. Can they break through it? Um, it seems like so far in the tournament they have 
already broken through their their previous limit, but I think they need to, you know, have that special performance from Yamina Roberts to to get through. And that's why I just think, you know, France are definitely the favourites and it's gonna take something special from Sweden. And I just maybe don't don't see it yet. So you're saying France? I am saying France, yeah. Brian? Yeah, I just think the experience they have at the at the, the highest level will probably come good. I want Sweden to win. Uh, just because I think I'd love to see a, I think a Sweden-Norway final would be pretty good. Um, but I just imagine the, the experience that the French team have, when you look at their attacking options as well and how they've had a pr- more or less, I mean, there's been a few games where Canor has been joint joint top scorer, but they've had almost a top score in every single game that they've played. Um, and you look at just the, the firepower they have, I just think it's going to be too much for Sweden to cope with. Um, so I'm going to say France by maybe two or three goals. Do 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 we want to see a France Norway final again? <laughs> I don't want to see a France well, that's, Norway well, final. That's why we're gonna we're gonna go, go at the end quickly go through all four. I'm gonna go for Sweden to win then. Oh, let's, let's see it. The belief um, is real. The belief is real. Like the the French team and the fact that they that stat I brought up in the last podcast with every single player playing at least. 13 minutes in the quarterfinal and nobody playing more than 37 is horrifying. However, it's only 60 minutes, so that might have an impact in the final, but over the semi-final, let's uh, let's forget about those stats. Sweden to win. All right. So we have four finals now to look at quickly. <laughs> Norway versus France. Who wins? I have France to win. I don't think you're beating Norway twice in one tournament like that. And is it just so classic Norway that the one game they lose is the game is the, the team they end up beating in the final? That just has Norway written all over it. So if Norway that, beat that France in the have. final, it's going to be Norway that win it. They've learned their lessons, okay. they've licked their wounds. You know, this this, this yeah. Olympic cycle, the last cycle for this Norway team, you're not beating them. It's it's their it's their the swan song for a lot of these players, and they're going to win this and then go on to win the Olympics. I think. What do you, like? What needs to change from? Uh, Norway's game against France earlier uh, for them to win. You know, for looking back at that game, uh, where did France have the advantage and do you think they'll still have that advantage? I think the fact that it, there was nothing for, nothing up for grabs in that game pretty much. I mean, it was kind of a, the, everything was, it was, yeah. I, I, sh- I don't for know positions. about that. Jostling for positions, yeah, know. but like, they, it wasn't a, a ticket to the next round or like that. Like, you know, they, they were jostling for positions and I think we we talked about that as well in, in the previous podcast that it seemed like we saw the best France that day but we quite, didn't quite see maybe the best Norway on that day and um, I think when it comes down to it in the final I think I, I'd always I think I'd, I'd, no, as the things stand at the moment I just imagine that Norway will have learned from that and kind of if a more motiv- motivated Norway and they'll win it by by two I don't think we'll see the best Norway this weekend I, I agree that's what I was exactly going to say and I think but you're right. If they are the, the best, they win. But I don't think they'll be at their best. I I, I agree with that. They, especially, uh, Henny rides that. I do again, worry about who that. Has been incredible. I do worry about her though. Uh, but like, as good, it hasn't been. She's come back from injury. She's Henny rides that when she's good is just she is Norway and she just does everything for it. Give her the ball, she will score. She doesn't pass to anyone sometimes, and she should. And she just she just shoots when she shouldn't, and she goes in anyway. But when she is a, even slightly off it. She starts to become a bit of a liability sometimes and starts launching the ball all over the place. And it's maybe a bit unfair to call her a liability, but 
if yeah. that happens, if that happens, then in this championship, they've been able to bring on players like Bakarud, right? Bakarud's will, been very impressive. And she has been. But will Thorir bring her on? And it counts. In the last 10 minutes of the final, when so. it really counts? No. I don't think so. So, <laughs> and, and additionally, you know, Nuremberg is, has taken a step down um, as a player from incredible heights, but she's, you know, clearly the third um, on the rank for, for Norway now, uh, behind Henry Reisset and Stina Offedal. Stina Offedal, on the other hand, has been incredible, uh, as always. Top assist uh, getter in the competition, uh, really doing what she's doing but it's going to take I think for Norway to beat France it's going to take a special performance from someone and in, in the quarterfinal that was Sina uh, Skogrand uh, so, so it's <laughs> you know Norway have the players to pull out yeah. a special performance but it's going to take something special and I don't think it's looking at France's perspectives it's it's not going to take an absolutely special performance to beat Norway. That's yeah. the way I see it. It's that they're just so like beautifully in harmony in, in this tournament so far that that's just going to continue. That we are going to see the best of France, um, and I think that's why I think this could be a French uh, French gold, but. Unless they play Denmark, which they'll lose to. <laughs> that's hey, your summary for that game, is this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's I, I, I honestly have the same. This is the uh, among the four finals. I have four different winners. Uh, so <laughs> no, I'm not sure. So yeah, Norway and France. I have France to win. Norway versus Sweden. I don't think Norway have to be at their best to win. I think they just Oof. have to be smarter, and I think they'll do that. Anyone disagree? No, I don't disagree with no, that. Brian, Brian has, that. In, all, in all four games, Nor, uh, Brian has Norway to win, no matter, even if Norway aren't there. <laughs> somehow, they'll somehow they'll win, win bronze, gold. Win bronze. <laughs> um, Denmark versus France. Well, I, I agree with you, Alex. I think Denmark will beat France, but uh, why do you think so? I think their defence uh, works really well against the French team. I think, um, again thinking about backcourt shooting and that element of randomness um, isn't as strong for, for France that they'll have to break through. And I think that's where Denmark are, are in a uh, a strong position to actually stop them breaking through. And then, then in attack again, um, I think that the French defense is usually more open Um than like a really solid, even like Sweden, who are just have that solid block, um, which would allow uh, Denmark to play their game, play it around, uh, get those penalties, get beat players one on one. I think they can do that. And they showed that against Montenegro as well with uh, like the defense, uh, with Despotovic really struggling in the first half to score from range. And even with the breakthroughs, you know, Pletikozic as well really struggling. And there's something about the the Danes and the Swedes have infiltrated France in the last few years. They've all moved to France uh, to play club handball. And I think that is also kind of taking a little bit of the sheen away from the the aura, the uh, kind of upper uh, or the the feeling that they might have about playing against France. But uh, well, well, no, it, it, it takes a bit of shine for 
the French or the of, Danish? Of the French, to, uh, yeah. The, the fe- there's no fear of, of the French because they're pl- style okay, or okay. approach because they have because they have players playing in Metz and Brest and Paris and uh, and Nantes. Uh, that I think that has helped the Scandinavians a little bit. Something that the Norwegians haven't done, except for Sina Oftedal years ago when she went to Paris. So yes. uh, that's why she can break them down. <laughs> yeah, and I think in Denmark can be the best team at any time at any time and they just have this mental block against Norway that's why it's like so difficult to see them beating Norway um, do you see them beating Sweden in the final yeah yeah I I think Sweden are you know punching above their weight I think that's the only final they could potentially win is against Denmark I think there's something about that clash of styles that's I mean, it would just be like, could you imagine how painful that would be for Denmark? And I think that's what the, just the, the, the yeah. notion of that, the notion of that would, would almost make it happen. Uh, and, and let's let's not forget the fact that it's a home championship for Denmark yeah. here. This yeah. is going to be a fully packed out Herning Arena, um, all screaming for Denmark. Yeah. And I think that does make a difference. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think I pro- Denmark France first. I uh, yes, Denmark fr- uh, for Denmark France. Yeah, I think. Um, God, yeah, I think. What do, uh, I think probably, I'd say, Denmark w- could beat France. Um, I get all confused now. What, what, so Denmark could be France. I, I see Sweden as yeah, solid fourth, fourth place, um, and then Sweden, Denmark. That'd be just sickening, wouldn't it? In the, in the Herning Boxing <laughs> Arena, Sweden winning by one. <laughs> Jamina Roberts right at the end. Imagine how sickening that would be. This silence. But It'd be like that, that, that Euro from 2014 <laughs> when uh, <laughs> the crowd is just completely shut up. Again, so much hope is on Denmark that I think, uh, and I think if they do lose the semi-final, they'll probably lose the third place playoff to, to Sweden. <laughs> it's just that classic like deflation uh, that happens uh, there you go we've done it we've gone through all the potential <laughs> finals and bronze medal matches uh, yeah fun times I think uh, even though it's been the the semi-final pairings that most people expected maybe not in the order but the four teams that most people expected uh, I think it will provide us with a lot of entertainment yeah. uh, in the coming days and, and you know, uh, and you know how we are. You know, we picked Sweden to finish fourth. It means we're going to win the whole thing. So there you are. There you go. That's why. That's why we're. That's, <laughs> that's why, why we're throwing, we're here. Any, throwing some, throwing mud to the wall and seeing what sticks. That's <laughs> all right. We can uh, wrap it up there, Brian, Alex. Thank you so much, and thank you for everyone uh, who supported us on Patreon throughout. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again very soon. Enjoy the semi-finals and goodbye.